Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week is super fun. We're talking to the mega producer, Tom Mormon. Now Tom has done a lot. Well, he did a lot. He, he's been out of the music industry for a long time. I'll tell you more about that in a second, but he's probably primarily, well, for this context anyway, this conversation, a lot of it revolves around Cheap Trick because he was responsible for those first four, five, six albums of theirs really establishing what their sound would be, putting them on the map. And I got to give a big thanks to our buddy BJ Cramp because his excellent book on Cheap Trick is what kind of opened the door for Tom and I to have this conversation. I've been trying to get him for a long time. Well, not only that, but he sort of, he discovered Ario Speedwagon, discovered Nugent, discovered Boston. And uh, he also, in the 80s, had a hand in a lot of the hair metal stuff, the Sunset Strip stuff. He worked with Poison and Twisted Sister. There's a long story in here, which I I guess everyone knew about but me. But he and Dee, Dee Snyder, are not friends, which is unfortunate. And then, of course, Motley Crue. He does Girls, Girls, Girls. He does uh, Shout of the Devil, all that stuff. So we get into all of that, but then we also get into some of his like power poppy stuff, too. In fact, I kick off the conversation here with the producers, who I love. There's also... There's Off-Broadway, there's Gary Myrick. Some of the stuff that he really loves that doesn't get enough attention is like Mother's Finest and Holland. And there's just, <laughs> we get into a little bit of everything, okay? But what's interesting is he basically kind of stepped away from the business in the 90s. And he's been running a bed and breakfast for years. In fact, he recently sold it. And so he's retired now, but just a really fascinating arc to this legend's career, you know? Now, one thing I wanted to tell you is that about a half hour into this conversation, he cut out. And what was interesting, though, is that when he came back on, we just sort of seamlessly kept talking about completely other things. And normally we would clean that up to make it sound like that didn't happen, you know? But in this case, we sort of left it there because we were talking about one thing that was interesting when it happened and another thing that was completely different but also interesting when he came back and there was really no way to kind of make that seamless and I didn't want to lose any of it so we just kept it going anyway huge thank you to Tom for chatting with me and a huge thank you to BJ for writing such a great book that opened the door to us having this conversation Tom called me from his home in Massachusetts okay I, I have a lot of questions for you I especially want to know about what you're doing today but I want to kick it off with asking you about a, uh, a group that I love that I don't know if they get enough attention and that's the producers. Yep. 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 I love them too. Yes. And uh, you did the first two, I believe producers albums, yep. just beautiful, perfect power pop from that era. Yep. Yep. They had a striking look with Wayne famous being the bald guy with the guitar and the songs were punchy and perfect, and yet they never quite took off as much as they should have, I don't think. What, no what was it like working with the producers? They were the best. They were, I mean, they were wonderful. They, you know, um, right after Cheap Trick, I think I, I, you know, I enjoyed working with the producers most. Really? Um, they, they, they were really good on their instruments. They were funny. Uh -huh. we, we did a lot of laughing Great songwriters. Yeah. I, I just thought, you know, I still listen. I don't listen to much of my stuff, but I do listen to that. Good. 
And every time I I do, I think, gee, what you know, genius stuff that yeah. they wrote. I mean, you know, dear John and yeah. and she, she Sheila. Yeah. Uh, What's he got? Yeah. And what's he got? I mean, the, the lyrics and uh, yeah. and and just the I don't get it. One of the one of the problems, and I'm I rarely blame the label, but this time it was like the first release on Portrait Records, which which was a new label established under Epic under the Epic you know banner. And I just think they dropped the ball. I, yeah. I don't think they I don't think they 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 did a good job at all and. And I mean, I was more positive. Uh, uh, I was more sure that this was going to be a success than with anything else I I signed except Boston. Yeah, you know. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. And 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 that was. I just loved them. I loved yeah. them. And and I feel very bad. I feel badly for them. I feel badly for Mother's Finest because there were two superb acts. And 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 this was their life. And when you yeah. sign a band and you produce the band, you're taking responsibility for their, you know, their success yeah. or their failure. And I just felt so badly because they deserve to be huge. I agree. I agree. I have Mother's Finest on my list, too. I'm going to ask you more about them in a minute. That second producer's album, uh, You Make the Heat, I love yeah. Back to Basics. It kicks off yeah. with that incredible. And the drums on that just always knock me out.
One thing yeah. about it is that it feels like it. Maybe I'm just projecting because the the cover looks different. It feels like they weren't quite as bright, poppy, fun. Like maybe there had been an element of darkness or yes. danger being. Was that brought in by them? Were they less optimistic? Was that a, a, a choice you guys made to toughen them up? What was it? No, no choice. It was just the nature of the songs. Was Those it? are the songs that, that Kyle uh, presented. Dear John was especially grim. I think that was on, on the second album, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the first albums are always really good in terms of material for any group because it's something they've been working on for years. Yeah. You know, songwriters have been writing songs for years. They put out the first album. They have to go out on tour. Bang, we want another album. Mm -hmm. You got to write 12 or 13 great songs in a few weeks. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or take some of the songs that were rejected from the first album and put those on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, it, it's just, it, it was just the feeling of, of those songs. Mm. And it was, the first album was admittedly very uh, up, very yes. pop. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm a pop guy. Everyone yeah. thinks I'm, I'm a metal guy. I'm not a metal guy. I was I'm I'm an acoustic uh guitar country rock pop guy, you yeah. know. My ideal project would have been Eagles. Ooh, uh, really? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. And it, with har vocal harmonies and you know everything. And which which is why a lot of my bands um despite their successes um, always thought that I was a little too pop, and that they they thought they came off as as more pop than they should have. Really, uh, so the metal guys wanted to be less poppy. Yeah, but but that's what you're. That's a strong suit for you. Well, all rock and roll bands want to be badass, true, hard rock, tough. You know, yeah, they do. Yeah. oh, we should have more rock and roll. Cheap yeah. Trick did that. You know, Ted never yeah. did. No. Ted was Ted was very happy with our with our product, mm -hmm. and and so was Molly Hatchet. Mm -hmm. um, Cheap Trick wasn't uh, Motley Crue. I think they were happy enough with the first two albums, but not not Girls, Girls, Girls. Maybe. Huh. And you know, I, okay. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I tended to 
like to put um, uh, a lot of um, uh, vocal harmonies mm -hmm. in and use you know big back backing vocals and I loved uh, string pads and 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 Hammond B3 organ mm -hmm. so I would orchestrate a lot of this stuff you know and and uh, I I don't think they loved it mm. how did I get on that I don't know what well, we were talking about the producers I yeah. wanted to ask you uh, I actually wrote down a couple other Oh, what wow. I think are really excellent, somewhat lost power pop albums. One is Off Broadway's On album. Yeah. yeah. I love them. I had John Pasden on here years ago and we've stayed in contact. He's such a funny guy. That was another one. They did have, I think, one Stay in Time, um, yeah. a modest hit. lost cliff johnson recently but similarly yeah. what, what what were you what was going what was it like and their their second album is darker too well i didn't i don't think i did their second album no i don't think you did but but uh i, I barely I, I honestly i barely remember anything okay. about that it was like maybe 1976 probably around, about that around, yeah you know yeah. and and um i I didn't continue with them and it was John Kaladner Atlantic mm -hmm. records. And, um, I don't even know how I got permission to huh. do that album because I was exclusive to Epic records at the time. Yeah. You know, the staff producer. Anyway. Okay. I love, I loved Cliff. Yeah. Um, he's the only one I remember. Honestly. That's fine. He was quite a character. What about Gary Myrick? You oh yeah! Talk about lost great power pop albums. That Gary Mark and the Figures album is amazing. Yeah, well, yeah. 
they, they were great. Gary was great, still is great. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it was quite different. I think it may be a little ahead of its time. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. But he had a uh, he had a weird, quirky kind of definitely offbeat uh, approach to performing and um, and writing, and and I just I liked it. It was all yeah. it was all very original. Those were good. You know, most of the experiences I had with bands that were great that didn't mm-hmm. make it big. Mm-hmm. I love I, I get along so well with those people. Yeah. You know, and the only friction came with the big, with the you know the big hit acts with 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 a strong leader or. I bet. It's it is interesting. There isn't one act that I produced that wasn't huge. Mm-hmm. That wasn't not, that that I didn't really enjoy. In, really? in other words, I enjoyed all the yeah. ones that failed. I enjoyed some of the ones that were huge. Huh. But certainly not all of them. Crazy. That's how it works. Uh, so going back to Motley Crue then for a minute, um, who was the leader? You talk about, you know, Nick, yeah, no Nick he was. Nick yeah, he's the guy. No, no question about that. Okay. He, yeah, he was the brains behind the outfit. Yeah. And you know, he wrote. He he conceived. Uh, you know of how they were, how their image, and how they presented to the to the world and and um tommy was right behind him you know um and um mick and 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 vince were you know more like i don't want to you know i don't want to diss them but they were a little more like uh salaried um sure hired hands or whatever yeah yeah Um, less of a say in the creative approach to the band right and less to say Uh, ah got and um uh i i think mick is is a seriously underrated guitar player i absolutely agree with you yeah. absolutely agree but nicky was yeah he was the guy um yeah. uh, uh, definitely for better or for worse you know sometimes we um sometimes we got we really got along um we i'd say we we had a positive relationship but um, when he wrote his book, he just threw me under the bus uh, and and made stuff up, and it was uh, I was uh, really disappointed. I bet. Yeah, I bet. that's a shame. When you got when you first came on, so there's the Too Fast for Love album, and then you believe I believe you come in for Shout of the Devil and everything. Yeah.
that I remember when that came out. I'm just a young kid, and I remember it being. <laughs> I remember the promotion making it feel like this was a really big deal. This band I had never heard of or seen yeah. before, and I'm I'm a little kid growing up in Salt Lake City. So what do I know? But that these guys are a dangerous band that's going to be huge, and it turned out to be true. Is that the is that the jaw? Is that your responsibility when when the label comes to you and says we want you to produce this next Motley Crue album? Here's the deal. This is the time we got to break them. Do what you can to break this band. Is that what it is? You know, labels have very little input in terms <laughs> of, of the direction of the record, how the record goes, uh, uh, what songs you do. I mean, I, uh, I didn't have to run these songs by anybody at the label at all. Um, you, you know, we just do it, and then they design their marketing program or effort uh, according to what they receive from the band. You know, the, they're like, this record is this. That record, it was just time for that record. It, it, it was so, I mean, I, I remember getting a phone call. I was at a golf tournament uh, up at Pebble Beach, actually. And and I, I'm, that's my cat. Sorry. He'll, okay. he'll give up in a minute. He's signed. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, I get a call. I, I just did the album, um, um, you know, a few weeks earlier, possibly it was, it was released. And, uh, and I get a call from Tom Zutat, who was then working for me. And he said, Worman, we have a hit. And then he started, he said, it's flying out of the stores and, and, and you know, we're selling more every day. And, and I had not a clue. I had no uh, forewarning of, of this. And uh, it was a complete surprise to me. Um, I The record exploded, not as a result of the label, but in spite of the label. That makes sense. Okay. You know, uh, and because, because uh, at that point, the guy who hired me for Electra, I was head of A&R there for a few months right before we did the album but I left because um, Joe Smith had hired me and he was kicked upstairs and they brought in this guy named Bob Krasnow who was a successful A&R guy at Warner Brothers but he didn't want me to do my job you know I had been hired before he was brought in and and he just got in my way and and uh, he, he, the first thing he said when he when we, he sat down for a meeting with with me and uh, Sutat was, we're going to drop Motley Crue. They're an embarrassment to this label, and it and, and the record took off so quickly that he couldn't, he wouldn't dare drop Motley. Crue. Of course, of course. And they pay, they paid the bills, you know. Yeah, yeah. When so you was, work on Theater of Hate, that album, uh, Theater of Pain. Or theater of pain, yes, of course, theater of pain. When you work on that, <laughs> either one works. Um, the uh, the criticism of that album is that they didn't have enough strong material for the right. follow up to the to the other one. Is that right. true? Did you see that going in? Is that a reality, or is that a perception yeah, you have? Well, I didn't love uh, a lot of the material. Home sweet home was good. <laughs>
But, but um, same thing was true, I think, with uh, with girls. Yeah. And, and, and again, in you know, um, Shout Out the Devil had songs that they've been working on for a long time. They had a lot of, uh, you know, they had a lot of, of, of good, you know, it was good material. It was mm-hmm. it was all kind of in this of the same ilk, the same style. Mm-hmm. But then. It's it you know it's an enormous album, multi platinum. They go on the road. They're having they're they're huge stars. Mm-hmm. They party like rock stars, mm-hmm. of course. Yep. And and then they have to they, again they have to come up with it with it, um, twelve more songs. Yeah. So the, he sits down and cranks them out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's lucky that that they're lucky that Home Sweet Home was on that. What else was on there? I don't remember. The, Nothing too major, I don't think, was on that album, no, right? No, I don't think so. Oh. Um, so uh and 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 uh also I found the same with for me, this is just personally speaking, I I wasn't that impressed with the material on girls, girls, girls. But when when you're starting a record or you're rehearsing a record or you're getting ready to rehearse and the band gives you a demo of their tunes. If you have a if you have a song like Girls Girls Girls, you're cool. Yeah. You, you say, well, at least we have one hit single. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, and then you're not like, you know, come on, guys, write yeah. me a single. I never told the band to write this or write that. A lot of producers did. Rick Rubin's famous for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, he says, he, he says, you, you guys need to work harder. Go back and, 
go back to the woodshed. Right. But but um, it between uh, girls, 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 and Wild Side, I thought I thought they were huge standouts. Yeah. And actually, Wild Wild Side is the is my favorite of all three albums. Me uh, too. That's my Star- favorite Wildly Crew song of all. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're right. So, I think Motley Crue. I, I mean, it's you know they're great, but they really were more of a singles band more than anything. Because you're right; these albums sort of hang together on the strength of two or three solid songs that yeah. were hits, and the rest yeah. isn't always up to speed. But but God bless Nikki Six for being able to pull those things out and keep that band afloat for as long as he did. Yeah, you know? they were they were as they are reputed to be yeah the, the, that business about hard partying and stuff like that um you know that's that's not a marketing image thing that's who they are yeah. um especially uh vince uh, who, who was the hardest probably the the most let's party let's party now guy uh, i ever worked with really um, you know uh he he would come in and 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 he'd give his best at, at at the mic you know in the afternoon we'd say we're going to do the vocals for this song today uh, tomorrow and that night instead of going to bed saying i have to do vocals tomorrow, <laughs> he'd just get hammered and go you know and and go to bed at four o'clock and he'd come in and 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 uh i don't know how he did it yeah, he had to be hung over some way. And well, it's all catching up with him now. That's for sure. Yeah, you watch I, I, the videos I, and stuff. Unfortunately, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I've seen a few still pictures of him. You never know, really. Uh, it's, it's yeah, really, it, that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, stuff out there. What about Poison? Uh, you do the open up and say I album, which yeah. is just. I mean, it's back to back huge albums from those guys, and I'm curious if there's any competition. I'm curious if a band like Poison, who are newer in the game than a band like Motley Crue are, if they come to you and they say, make us as big as Motley Crue. We want whatever those guys are getting. No, they they really never did that. They, they the bands like to, they, I think they like to, you know, dump on one another unless they're on the same tour when they have to get along. Um but you know, I don't think Motley Crue had a particularly lofty uh, r- regard for for Poison. Okay, I think they thought that they were uh, not as hard, not yeah. as street, you know, and, and, and you know, more hairspray and stuff like that. But Poison was, you know, a hardworking band, uh, very positive, good guys. Mm-hmm. They did all of their stuff except a few harmonica parts, which I brought a guy in for. Yeah, I liked them. Yeah. It was a tough album to make, but I liked them. We had four top ten singles. That yeah. was a first.
Yes, it was. And I feel like they, maybe it's just their image, but they feel like regular blue collar guys more so than the crew guys do, you know? Well, I don't know. The the crew guys were definitely, uh, I don't know. I don't know the blue collar, but I guess coming from LA, they just seem like a little more, I don't know, like absorbed in the culture where it's, you can kind of tell, you know, poison's coming. They're hot off the sunset strip too, but they're all coming from like Pennsylvania, you know? Right. Right. It's true. I guess Brett was from, uh, you know, no, I don't know. That's what I thought about Brett. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, they, they were a hard, a hardworking and, uh, they partied a a lot, but not in the studio. Not, not really. Oh, okay. Okay. It just occurred to me the second time you just from those two bands alone, let a bit alone, everybody else, uh, there had to have been ladies everywhere, Uh, everywhere. I just finished uh, writing a book, and Ooh, we're, nice. we're, gonna, we're gonna go to agents in a few months. I I, I hope um, see if we can they can take it to a publisher. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure it'll get, it'll get published. I think it. I think it's very good. It's different it. from yeah. other books, and uh, in it, I think I told this little story in it in the poison chapter. Um, Brett was, um, I said that Brett had so many girls, well, the the band and principally Brett Mm -hmm. had so many girls visiting or wanting to visit their sessions that we should have put one of those little delicatessen number machines (laughs) out out front (laughs) to take a number, get in line, (laughs) your turn will come. But but uh, there was one time when when Dwayne and I were at the console and Brett was sitting behind me in, in writing uh, some lyrics in a notebook and he had this beautiful girl beside him, Natch. Of course. And and she uh, at one point I saw out of the out of the corner of my eye I saw her whisper in his ear and he said and I heard quite plainly. Han, I'm 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 a little busy now. Would you just take care of my producer? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I declined. <laughs> um, you know, as because I, you know, I'm married and sure, I, sure. I was, yeah, I've been married. What happened? Married fifty two years now. Anyway, good for you. Good for uh, you. <laughs> she, it was tough back then to to be a good father and a good husband working with these bands. But, but anyway, that's the kind of thing that, uh, that, that went on then they, yeah, they had more girls. They had more girls than Motley Crue. Really? Oh, goodness. But, but, but Motley Crue had, uh, uh, more, not upscale girls, but more famous girls. Oh, okay. Yes. Tawny had uh, had Heather and 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 Tawny Katane. Yes. Heather, Heather was great, by the way. She really wonderful girl, wonderful Good. woman. I, uh, you know, uh, I I don't know. She's had her ups and downs since then, yeah. but yeah, know, I, we 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 always enjoyed her, and she was always very uh, down to earth. I don't know if I knew about Tawny, but that I mean, it feels like. Tawny, Bobby Brown, some of those girls sort of make the rounds. That sounds horrible to say, but they date a lot of those same guys. Yeah, so well, Tawny, is this with, before uh, or after David Coverdale? 
Well, yeah, it was. It was. It was before. Okay, I, I'm pretty sure it was before because. Okay. I don't even know if it was. If it was pre MTV. Oh, maybe. Theater of Pain. Theater of <laughs> Theater of Pain was like eighty five so it wasn't mtv was a thing but her videos with coverdale with white snake weren't a thing yet right right when she yeah. sprawled on the hood of the car <laughs> that was 87 yeah i was a very impressionable 14 years old when that all went well, that'll do it yep, yeah that was it that's it <laughs> yeah oh man everything you've seen i can't wait to read this book speaking Good. of books the i've tried to uh, I think I've reached out to you a couple of times over the years, but what finally sealed it was you being included in my friend BJ's book on Cheap Trick. And yeah. first of all, I'm, I just want to say to him, I'm really proud of him for writing this book. I think a lot of us feel like we have books inside of us, but don't put the yeah. work in to get it out. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. And he was very thorough with his telling the origin story of Cheap Trick, which greatly involves you. I am curious for people who haven't read the book, what are your impressions of that band when you come in? What are you trying to accomplish with them? Yeah. Do you want them to rock? Do you want them to have great singles? What are you thinking? They were unique. I thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't need to want them to rock. They rocked. Yeah. Uh, what, what I did, which they probably didn't all love all the time, you know, on, on stage they were incredibly loud and incredibly you know, um, just fast paced and, 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 and really, um, just kind of blew the, the club, uh, down. Mm -hmm. And I kind of art made the songs more articulate. Okay. So, you know, it's like, that's it. Thank you. No more chasing the money. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I'm for, I'm retired and we're almost finished with this house. Once it's once it's completely um, done interior wise, I'll be I'll I'll just be blissed out because it's the most wonderful house and, and you know we built a pool and we've got a hot tub and Ooh. and it's in it's got a killer view and it's just the most wonderful place. I never thought I would um, be this lucky. It's, it's the home. It's, a, it's the home before the home. Yeah. <laughs> the home before the like the old folks home the old folks home yeah you know i'm i'm i don't look wonderful but i look younger than i am and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be 78 and i have no idea how i got here yeah. i mean really yeah. what how, how did because you know when you're old you still have you still have the same mind you still have the same except that you forget stuff hmm. anyway Never mind that. Let me ask you this: Are you still in Massachusetts? Oh yeah, we're, we we yeah. the farm Stoneover Farm the 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 B and B was um, a mile from here. Oh, yeah, and and okay. so love our street, and there was no reason to move anywhere else. So this house came on the market, and we grabbed it, and that, but that was two years, a little over two years ago, mm -hmm. and we have been renovating ever since. Wow. Man, right through the pandemic, right through the supply chain, right through. Jeez, wow. you wow. know. Yeah. So, yeah, I. Uh, that's it. What that made was... you decide to leave music altogether and go into this? Were you just over it? Well, I was over. I'd done fifty-two albums, mm -hmm. and I saw the writing on the wall. Music had changed very significantly. 
you know, when when uh, Beastie Boys and Nirvana, you know, when that that stuff came out, late '80s, early '90s. I went, you know, one day I was going to the studio, and uh, before I left the house, I heard "License to Ill" coming from my daughter's bedroom, and I went to her door and I said, "Jules, how can you listen to that? It sounds like it was recorded in five minutes." And she said, "Yeah, that's it, Dad." And I went, "Oh shit! I, everything I know is wrong." Yeah, yeah. you know, because yeah. I always went for, I, I always just assumed and and still think that power in music mm-hmm. you know can can be obtained only sure. with with tuning time order control you know it's not it's not like like necessarily like um the sex pistols yeah you know, or the ramones yeah um more is more you know, when they, they uh, yeah when, when when they originally started to say Oh well, that's close enough for rock and roll. That that was, uh, you know, I, I I admittedly made very neat records. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there 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 were no clams in there. No, you know, we we would we would fix things and things would you know. I mean, I even took Jeff Beck into the studio when we were doing the live album, and we repaired his solos. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, way <laughs> we did that, and and uh, he was okay with that, you know. But I would point stuff out, and I would ask somebody to just to play along and get him in to record, how to record, until everything was, you know, yeah. w- w- was right. Yeah, and, and um, all of a sudden, not only were bands not that interested in being in tune or in time, but eventually. They didn't want it. Yeah. It sounded too good. Oh, yeah. this is too corporate. And also, y- you couldn't imagine a band like Soundgarden or 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 uh, Pearl Jam or any of those Seattle bands daring to use me as a producer because I'd already worked mm. with the bands that they ridiculed. That's true. Yeah, you, know, you were part of the Motley, enemy. Yeah. yeah, anybody. This guy worked with Motley Crue. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because they had this... Um, they were different. Yeah, they were different. They had a, a they had a, a kind of integrity and credibility and 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 natural. You know, they'd show mm-hmm. up in jeans and t shirts, and that was that was what you were supposed to do then. Yeah, because things were changing. So, yeah, I was yeah. burned, and the record business was was probably had had enough of me and corporate rock. Yeah. So, so I left and and came here. Um, you know, I read a book, Tom Kelly, who wrote, uh, like a virgin. Uh-huh. Right. And, Kelly and, and Steinberg. Yeah. Yeah. And Billy Steinberg, they they wrote a bunch of songs, uh, big hits. And I used to play golf with him. He was my favorite golf buddy. And right around the late eight, the late nineties, I was, you know, bitching and moaning on the golf course. And I said, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't have any good. I, I had work, but it was kind of what I call B level work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't enjoying the studio as much anymore. So he said, you have to read this book. I'm, I, I have a book for you. He gave me a book called Who Moved My Cheese. And, sure. it, and Yeah. And and I read it, and I immediately booked a flight to uh, Boston 
I'm from Boston and I, you know, I'm a Yankee and we, um, we had lived in LA for 23 years. And I said, it's time for me to change. I can't, I can't just sit here and get pissed off uh, at people who won't give me good projects. And um, I, I, I need to reinvent myself. Yeah. So, so we did. I mean, I read that book in February and we were living here in July. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I jumped quick. Um, we sold that house. We sold the house that we owned in Nantucket, the stupidest thing I ever did. Oh no. And, and we, we sat down and started to renovate this place, which is a phenomenal, beautiful 10 acre farm. And we built this, uh, you know, five suite luxury bed and breakfast. It was wonderful. And it was very successful and we won awards and stuff. But again, after 22 years of that. I flipped a lot of omelets, boy. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. They were were the feature of the place. Uh, You know, my breakfast was huge. And I did it. I cooked every breakfast for 22 years. And uh, we called it the Tomlet. And it was a big big hit. When we opened up in uh, July 4th weekend, Linda Ronstadt was our first guest. Really? Whoa. Yeah, because she was performing at Tanglewood okay. that weekend, and Tanglewood was seven-tenths of a mile from us. Oh, We're now man. two miles from Tanglewood. I don't know if you know Tanglewood. I've heard of it. it. I know it's beautiful, but I've never been there. Oh, it's heaven. Really? It's heaven. And, you know, it, the, the shed, which is covered, holds 3,000 people. The lawn wow. holds 15,000. Wow. And they have huge screens and huge speakers and 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 it's mellow oh. and, and they will have pop artists there but it's the summer home of the boston symphony orchestra oh, nice. and and you go there you know and you melt mm. <laughs> you just you sit on the lawn you drink wine oh it sounds fascinating you know i've had i it didn't ever occur to me until now that when hair metal we'll call it for lack of a better term goes away i've had bob rock Ron Nevison and Bo yeah. Hill all on here. And to me, they're three and you are like the architects of that sound that was big around that time of pop rock, the hard rock you would yeah, hear on pop the radio. Rock, yeah. And I never it never occurred to me that when their artists' careers come to an end, their careers are put in jeopardy as well because of the perception of the new guard, the Pearl Jams, who don't want any part of that. I hadn't right. thought of that before, but you're right. Yeah. That's interesting. We're lucky, though, that, um, you know, people are, kids are into classic rock. Everyone's yeah. into classic rock now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I talk to people in stores, cashiers, you know, who are, who are listening to this dreadful piped-in caterwauling you know, like women vocalists kind of screeching and, mm-hmm. and trying to fit 20 notes into one bar. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, we eventually come down to, yeah, well, yeah, well, I listen to seventies and eighties music. Seventies mm-hmm. and eighties were the, you know, sixties, seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. It was an avalanche of brilliance in, really in music and, and, and original, especially from England. Yeah. And yes. I think I think it's over. You know, I mean, yeah. it, 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 the rock and roll had a life span. Yeah. It was uh, for for me. It was from the mid fifties when Elvis started, 
to about 2000. Mm. And that was it. Except for a couple, a couple of people who lasted beyond that. Yeah. But started before it. Like, like, like Dave Grohl. And yeah. I think I saw a quote recently, and I think it was little Steven from the yeah. street band saying that to him, rock is now basically like jazz where there are people who still uh, appreciate jazz, but it's not yeah. the mainstream at all. And you have to kind of go seek it out. And that rock is kind of entering into that phase of its maturity, you know, Absolutely. sort of an old timey music that, yeah, passionate people have to go find. You probably are yeah, right. It's a, cate- it's a category. Rock it's a category. Rock. Yes, that's it. Where it used to be the norm. Um, okay, let me ask you. We were talking about Cheap Trick before all this. You were mentioning seeing them in Rockford. Right. What I was going to say was they were so loud that oh. um, that I, in order to hear the material, I had to go outside. I went outside the club and listened through the door or down the hall and i could hear it if i was when i remember being inside and listening to them and having i don't know if you've ever had this experience having something be in musical be so loud mm-hmm. that the pitch bent and wavered mm-hmm. like doppler yeah and, and i i thought i i can't i can't i can't deal with this so yeah. so i went i went outside I tried, I guess, to harness Cheap Trick. The greatest thing was, I mean, I could see immediately that that each each of of, of the four was, you know, I, I think the, easily the best at his instrument that I'd ever seen or worked yeah. with. I mean, you know, I'd seen the Beatles, but <laughs> but but I, I I mean, Bunny was clearly the best drummer. And right. and Robin was a ridiculous vocalist, and Tom Peterson was incredibly creative. Uh, these guys were really good. Yeah. yeah. And also, uh, the reason I went to see them was because Jack Douglas called me and said, "Oh, here's I've seen this band, and I want to produce them." And mm-hmm. so I went. I said, "Okay, I'm out of here," and I went <laughs> immediately to see them because because I thought Jack, you know, obviously Jack had made. He says uh, something, you know, it's Aerosmith. worth it. Yeah. He made the Rocks album, which yeah, which which was in, like in my top five at that. That's time. my favorite Aerosmith album too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So um, they they never quite. I mean, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They have all the respect and love and the deserve, but there there should be. They should have an Aerosmith type career, and yet they yeah. don't. And I've never understood yeah. why. I don't and my, fa- my two favorite albums are the ones to the in color and uh, Dream Police are my two favorite, yeah. and you did both of those. And I did Heaven Tonight.
guess I think if, if anyone said what's the what do you think your best album was it would be heaven tonight really that's of everything you've ever done not just the best yes everything album? yeah wow. everything I've ever done. why why do you say that that's it i listen to it if i listen to it i just <laughs> you know yeah i don't say this much but i say wow yeah that, you know that was good you did, yes you did you did a really good job adding yeah. this or yeah. throwing that in or or but it was a well-produced record and a well-played record and well-written i mean there was serious serious stuff yes. on that record. Yeah. And, and i i think all the albums that we did um everybody says those were the best three they are you know they really are uh, and 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 the band i know you know they don't like that like they rick especially made something made a big deal out of um i want you to want me and yeah. changed it completely to this very fast <laughs> rock song And it was a dance hall song right out of the 1930s when <laughs> when we played it in the studio and and that's and that's the way it was and there were no arguments wow. um you know they they just wanted to um i don't know they they there's they didn't think of the that their success was uh mm. they, I, I i just think they wanted to be much harder maybe why so you were touching on this a second ago why then do you think that it never translated into multiple big hits what, what with with cheap trick one cheap they trick, yeah big? i mean like we were saying they have they're they a respected were, band they have they're in the hall of fame well they're they musicians musicians oh you think so okay uh, the musicians love them okay and admire them and i've heard bunny's influence in a lot of drummers for many years you know since since he was playing with them i don't you know i really don't know um maybe, i don't know if anyone knows maybe yeah. it's maybe it's the material i just i just don't know uh i think surrender was probably as as close as as they came to a you know yeah i mean i want you to want me was that was the live it was live yeah it was um, and Before, that's when that's the way they wanted i think that's the way they always wanted to sound probably i think 
going back to the some of the pop, power pop bands that we talked to or talked about earlier i feel like sometimes audiences think that catchy pop rock songs uh they take them for granted they think like that's that feels too easy or too i don't know it's not challenging enough whereas and i think there's a lot of other bands like i think of a band like in excess deals with this that it 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 must be they don't they, i don't think common listeners think you have to be super talented to write a song this good you have to be so talented to write a song that's catchy and rocks and poppy yeah. and makes sense all at once not everyone can do that and right. yet i think i feel like it gets short shrift for whatever reason like it's not challenging enough or edgy enough or whatever and yet it is it's got all those things isn't right. shouldn't the the key virtue of all music be to write something that is catchy and people remember and yet oh, some yeah. of the power pop bands don't get that respect and i don't know why i've never understood it you know yeah yeah you want to sing it in the shower you don't you, I, that's it you, know, it, it, yeah. you can't get it you you, you want to it, it needs to be in your head all day. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I, 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 I had a song in my, in, the, in my head all day and I didn't, I didn't particularly love it. Uh, losing my religion. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, and I, all I did, I, this happens to me. I can't get rid of it. And, and I, and I sing the same line like all day long in my brain <laughs> and i was that you know that's me in the in the what in is the it corner. That's me in the that's corner me in the, corner. That's me that's in the, me the spotlight. spotlight yeah and that was that's all i've been singing all day and anyway <laughs> that's that's songwriting that's good songwriting oh it is i just i happened to hear it, it is. and that was that was it Okay. I told BJ that I was going to be talking with you, and uh, he brought up an album that I had forgotten about that you did, and that's Holland. And, oh um, yeah, I forget about that too. Yes, really. The song "Wake Up the Neighborhood." Uh, yeah. it's in. It's uh, included in the movie "Girls Just Want to Have Fun," which is where I remember Amazing. it. Amazing. And tell me about working on that one. I don't remember. Don't remember another great band, great album. I love Tom. Tom. Tom, uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Yeah. Great. Great. Wonderful. Unique vocalist. Yeah. Um, but I. I don't know. Okay. 
I, I, I just, I don't, I do not remember. I it's was okay. just, it's been many, many years. Yeah. You're allowed to forget. <laughs> it's funny. If I, you know, if you, if, if you said, listen, I want to talk about the, the, that album, um, <laughs> you know, on, in another conversation, I would listen to it again and I would, the things would come back. I know. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm. We talked about. We emailed about this soon beforehand, and I'm springing a few on you that came up after I thought. Well, that's okay. Okay. Um, one that I wanted to ask you about in particular. Well, so we have these uh, Patreon supporters, and I always tell them who I'm going to interview, and if they want to submit questions, they can. And uh -huh. actually, a couple of them mentioned the Blue Oyster Cult album Mirrors. Yeah. Which yeah. uh, I think is a really that album is really interesting to me because it's a little bit of both. It's got the rock. It's it feels to me like an like a band that's forming a bridge between their hard rock past and a power pop new wave thing that's happening now. And there are yeah. songs on there that don't sound like traditional BOC songs, but no. work for them. Yeah, and, and I'm curious. Uh, one of our listeners in particular, Michael Backford, he wanted to know if um how they felt about it was it a management decision was it you was it the band to say we want to go in kind of a slightly poppier direction do you remember i do not know why they asked me but it was a good album i, I think it was a very good album what, what was the name of the song moon crazy that's it okay moon crazy Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought the songs were good. They were not um, Godzilla. They were not. Burn for you. Don't Fear the Reaper was, was, was a, a, one of the great songs of all time. I Agreed. Think. Agreed. You know, and, and uh, what I remember most from that album, there were, there were a couple of things. One is that um, I thought that Donald Buck Dharma, that, that Donald wa was uh, a much better singer than we had seen so far. And Eric Bloom wasn't that much better. Mm. And so I used Donald on a couple of songs, on a couple of songs that I think Eric wanted to sing on. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. He, he wasn't too happy about his role on that. Um, and I never understood why Alan Lanier was in the band in the first place because mm. he was a poet. Uh, you know, and he played the he played the piano, and uh, he, it fit. But but he he came from a completely different place, and and Donald Roser was the funniest man I've ever worked really? with in the studio. No he way. he'd get in front of the mic out there, and he would 
he would just keep us in stitches. That's great. It, it, it was just great. He was a wonderful guy. I really enjoyed uh, working with those guys. Um, they were good all the way. I, I, I guess we didn't have a we didn't have a, a, a hit single, right? No, not really. The album sort of was disappointing in terms of commerciality, but it was a yeah. great album for the period. Yeah. I think, especially yeah, for I them. was kind of there. I th- I, I felt that it, it was their departure. Mm-hmm. They wanted a departure. They wanted like a, a Satanic Majesty's request or Sergeant yeah. Pepper, uh, you know, for 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 them. I, I I don't know. I don't know. But, That's too bad. It's a good one though. Um, okay, let's talk about the Nuge Nugent. Oh, yeah. Um, you discovered him. Was he still in the Amboy Dukes back then? No, no the Amboy Dukes had broken up. Okay. Uh, you know, and I think the Amboy Dukes is. Uh, I didn't know anything about Ted Nugent. Okay. Uh, except for except for the name Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes, and a little bit about. I'd heard their song a few times, Journey to the Center of Your Mind or The Mind, you know, and I didn't know anything about it. And and I uh, I went to see Ted because his manager came in to my office and very excitedly told me that he was available mm. as a solo act. And I said, oh, okay, I don't know much about him. He played me some demos and I said, you know, I should see this guy. So I went out to see him. And um, man, it was fantastic, mm-hmm. really fantastic. And mm-hmm. this, as with all the bands that I signed to CBS, no one else was there. No one else was interested. No one bid on them. Wow. And that includes that also includes um, Kiss and 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 Rush and Leonard Skinner that I that I brought to the label but were rejected. Oh my gosh. And, and yeah. And so, um, uh, I, I just connected with Ted. I have a chapter on Ted, you know, in the book that, that, that talks about him. He, it's very difficult for me as a left leaning Democrat, Mm -hmm. you know, to explain my friendship with Ted, whom I really like and enjoy. I, I think it's dreadful what he says. Yeah, but but Ted has a a, a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. He's not deceptive. He's not, he's a, he's a straight shooter, no pun. Mm-hmm. And and he uh, you know he taught me about things that I would never have known mm-hmm. about, like guns mm-hmm. and like like why why he hunts and how he hunts and the different difference between how, what he does and what Donald Trump Jr. does, which is mm-hmm. to hide behind bushes and slaughter defenseless animals with huge guns so he can put their heads on his living room wall. I don't like him. Uh, Can you you hear that? Could you guess Uh, that? Um, I'm with you on that 100%, (laughs) by the way. Yes. So so people hate Ted. Um, You know, I mean, people who are left of center or even center. And he, and he, he does say horrendous things, but he was a dream to work with and, really? and Good. he also knew <clears throat> every note he had every note of any, every instrument in his head before yeah. we went in the studio and he would just tell people what to play and, and it worked and so i that was the first album i ever tried to produce i co-produced it and because i signed him and i wanted to protect my investment 
And I just kind of served as quality control. I, I okay. ideas, some ideas now and then, but um, it was great. We did five albums. Yeah. Big ones. I, um, I wanted to ask you specifically about free for all. song free for all is probably my favorite ted song probably because it's got a groove to it it almost sounds like kind of a disco song in some ways you know i, I see you know i know yeah ding 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 yes yeah. Yeah. yeah it's got a groove to it but it's unlike anything else he's done you know i guess it was yeah i it felt like it at the time i my favorite will always be stranglehold yeah it's it's you can't beat it really it's amazing <laughs> just amazing, and and he, uh, I, I, I did some in the mix. I, I did some little. Anytime you hear uh, um, an echo, uh, mm. like, like a note that's that's that that has a repeat or a little uh, phrase that's harmonized, and it's like mm. a little duet. That was me, and I didn't. Really? Ask, I didn't. It's not me playing. It's me. Yeah making that happen in the mix no way. No you know way. and and i sent him the it was mixed by his manager uh, the guy who owned his contract his he he was really actually 
you know, the manager, the producer, the whatever. Mm -hmm. He had everything. And um, he mixed the album, and I didn't like it. Oh. So, so mm -hmm. I asked for, it cost an extra $5,000 at the time to remix the album. You know, and, and I went down. It was the first album I ever mixed. That's wild. With, with an engineer. I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I never engineered uh, anything by myself. Yeah. And, wow. and, and, and I sent it to Ted when it was finished. And, and he said, I, I really like what you did with Stranglehold, but don't ever do anything like that without making sure that I know about it. <laughs> you know? Whoa. Was uh, okay. he, uh, I could see him doing that. I, I gotta, I gotta admit, I mean, prior to the Trump era, I always thought I was, I was fairly apolitical, but mostly leaned left. And yeah. I always thought Ted, eh, we don't have a lot in common politically, but I find him entertaining and yeah. fun. And I like his music and stuff. I can't, I have a really hard time with anyone who still supports Trump and that includes Ted, unfortunately, but I am curious. He knows his music, like you said, yeah. and, uh, when you are working with him, is he gonzo, you know, is he that out of that huge character, huge personality yeah. from the beginning? He is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when he suck, when he walks into a room, he sucks all the energy out. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And he's, and he is articulate intelligent yes. quick-witted quick-mouthed um mm -hmm. funny um and yeah. and loves lo just loves life he really yeah. does and what he he lives the uh, the kind of life that he sings about mm -hmm. yeah uh, i can see that he, he loves the outdoors he love he he just um he, he he gets more out of life than most people. I could totally um, see that. And, and I never, I, I rarely see him angry. He gets ironic. He gets sarcastic. But I don't think he's ever, I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen him be angry. Mm, um, and and he, he used to send us wild, he used to send us bear and what, what, what was the other? Um, like bear venison? and venison. Yeah. For, for for Christmas, he uh, he send us bear steaks. I didn't ha I didn't eat them, but it, 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 it was always nice of him. When, when I was at his house uh, in in uh, Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, before we did the first album, we were meeting to to talk about it, and he had he had killed wild boar. Oh my gosh! Uh, with, with with bow and arrow, and he barbecued it for us for dinner, and it was delicious. <laughs> really, really good. I had seconds. And, oh, good for him! Wow. Yeah, and and you know, in his house, he had he had animal pelts on the floor. You know, and he said this. He said this is what I do. You know, he said I'll kill him, but I use the entire animal, and I don't leave him in the woods. I don't leave him on the road. He said, "You eat hamburgers. You just have somebody else kill the animal yeah. for you, and inhumanely." Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and he was right. You know, yeah. he, uh, there's a lot more to Ted. I just I don't understand it. why he, why he says that stuff. And, and sometimes I think, you know, I mean, he's a smart guy. I I, I think it's like, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I, sometimes I just think he's saying that, but he doesn't really believe it. I know. I've wondered that too. I, don't know. I wonder I mean, if that's true for a lot of them. I mean, they don't want to save face. They continue on to support. 
Trump and the extreme but right I, wing. You know, that's go- I don't know. Honestly. Speaking <laughs> speaking of people who did like Trump that don't anymore, bless his heart, is Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. You did All the right. Stay Hungry album. Right? You think you think the the uh, w- doesn't like Trump anymore? Did he? I? F- I follow him on Twitter, and that's what he has said. Yes. In fact, uh-huh. he's very articulate about it. He's another one of these guys who, at first, he thought because I guess of his relationship or friendship with Trump from being on The Apprentice and everything, he really thought Trump was going to do good things. Oh, and then he was I see? And, yeah, and then the more he just held on to the racism and everything else, T- D has completely disowned that good relationship that's the only good uh, as far as i'm concerned that's the only good thing he's done since <laughs> I'm he's he he was the uh most disappointing person i ever met really in, why in rock and roll he's he's uh, incredibly uh duplicitous he he's two-faced he 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 was fine and um kind of backslapping and glad handing while we were working the minute we i had him approve the album i had him approve the mixes which he did and then as soon as he left the studio and and went on tour he started talking shit about me like nobody's business he and in his book he wrote i think that tom worman personally destroyed our album you know the one that sold seven million. <laughs> I was going to say you delivered a huge hit. How could that be? Yeah. Oh, he's he was he made he he made stuff up. He he had a radio show where he where I he remember. talked. You know he, he talked trash about me. I emailed him twice to ask if I could come on his show and and to, and he he made stuff up. He said he had to get down on his on his knees and beg me to allow them to cut we're not going to take it what? to allow them to, to to do it you no producer can not allow a band to do the what? band hires you they can fire you in this case he was really pissed because doug morris told them they had to use me Ugh. because he knew i could make a hit with them Exactly. And, said, and Doug Morris, who was the president of Atlantic Records, he called me and he said, uh, you, I think you're the only producer I know who can make a hit with this band. So, of course, I said, OK, Doug, I'll do it. For, I'll do it for you. 
and and I, I mean, D, uh, D had worked for many, many years, uh, like seven, eight, yeah. nine years with his They've been band. around for a while. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they worked and worked and worked and worked and couldn't get anywhere in America. And, and, and finally I come along and make, give this huge record we make. And, wow. uh, and, and I think he, uh, he simply didn't want anyone to think I had anything to do with it, that it oh was my all. Gosh. He That's has a crazy. Huge ego. And, yeah. and, and he was, he was terrible. I went to, <laughs> uh, I went with my wife and my infant child. Well, mm -hmm. she was like two or three mm -hmm. up to a outdoor gig in New Hampshire after the album came out. It was the first gig we went to. And I went out to support them in and see them in an, an outdoor uh, summer show. Mm -hmm. And after the show, we went over to the bus, you know, because they all went into the bus and shut the doors, and and we were waiting to say hello, waiting to to talk with the band out in the blazing sun for like we, I don't know, after about a half hour, we left. Oh. They didn't. He didn't come out. He didn't allow anybody out. What he was he he he's just a dreadful human being. Oh my gosh! I had no oh, idea. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that oh, is yeah. so opposite of his public persona. I don't know what his uh, what his problem was. I really don't. Uh, oh. But read the book. Read that I book. Will. Shut up. I've had it on my list for a long time. I keep oh. hoping I can get him on here, and I think we'll all read it before I oh, talk to him. I'm telling okay. you, he'll he'll make something up. Yeah, he, probably I, I, the the the, uh, the hatred that he summoned uh, for me is is hard to fathom i that i, I don't incredible. know where it came from i never did anything to uh to you know yeah. bad to him yeah. um i was i was i got along well with everyone else in the band mm -hmm. you know um wow i would I never know. i had no idea when oh, i had, when i was gonna yeah, ask that. that that that's what happened that is so that's so disheartening it, yep going back to bo hill again it's interesting he produced you know, Cherry Pie for Warren and uh, 17 for Winger. And those were both songs that became problematic for those bands too. And oh, yeah. his bow is Bo's take is like, I delivered you a, everybody yeah. in the world knows those songs, you know, it's made you millions. How can you be that sad about it? And they're both great songs. Same with, we're not going to take it. And yet yeah. these guys have problematic relationships with the songs that are their signature songs. I guess if they, if they aren't known for the songs they want to be known for, they lash out. Yeah. I don't know, but that's, that's yeah. unfortunate. Well, yeah. They, I mean, uh, he, he thought, well, you know, this is lightweight stuff. Yeah, I guess. Um, they yeah, wanted to be uh, even harder. So yeah. well, okay. like everyone else. Okay. Um, well, I just have a couple more questions for you. I, you mentioned mother, mother's finest earlier. Yeah. Talk about a band, like you said, that just doesn't get enough attention oh, and they were a unique one too. Cause they're part some of them are black, some are white, they're rock, which isn't always going on in, among and black they, artists. They were before living call in living. Yes. Color. Yes. Yeah. 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 They, were, they were the first, uh, they were, they used to incinerate stages live. They were really? unbelievable, unbelievable uh -huh. and great songs. And, uh, uh, you know, what, what we finally concluded was the, that not concluded deduced was 
that they were too black for white radio, too white for black radio. That's what I thought. And that, 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 you know, they were a completely mixed group with a with a white guitar player and a white drummer, and they played funk metal, and and uh, uh, there was no one like them. No. And and uh, again, I think the uh, the label just just dropped the ball. They did they didn't do a good job at all, uh, and that was epic. It's so unfortunate because that, if anything, the diversity, the uniqueness of that setup should have been a selling point. Look what we've got right. here. You've never seen anything like this, folks. That's you know, right. and the music's great too. Mickey's Monkey, and I love oh, that Mickey's song. Mickey's Monkey, my very favorite. Yes. Oh, it should have been. I've always wondered what their story was. Um, okay, I want to ask you too about being the A and R guy. We've talked about Ted. We've talked about Cheap Trick. You yeah. discovered, from what I can tell, Boston, which you mentioned earlier, and Ario Speedwagon. Correct? Well, I, I, you know, I, I didn't discover, but I, you know, I was played. I was given a, a, an acetate okay. of a finished yes. Ario album, the first one, and I said, "Yeah, let's sign these guys." Okay, so so I signed them. Boston's manager came to see Lenny Pizzi, who was uh, in the A&R department. And Lenny and the manager came down to my office, and Lenny said, Tom, I want you to hear something. I want to get your opinion on something. So the three of us went into my boss's office. He was out of town. We put on the tape, and, uh, and, and I, you know, I stopped it in the middle of the second song. And I said, if, if you could, you know... If Lenny and I can go and see uh, uh, this band live, and and they're any they're even close to this recording, I guarantee you a, a really good deal. And I didn't even have the authority to do that, but I I said, and, and I stopped and I said, is this honestly said is this candid camera? Because because you can't be bringing this to us. We didn't even have to leave the building. <laughs> and you brought this to us. We can have this and put this out as you know, have this band put it out as a way yeah. because more than a feeling yeah. as a demo was right there. It was there. Well, Tom's the mad scientist behind it all, right? Doesn't yeah. he just do it all right there in his studio he slash did, yes. laboratory? In his, in his, you know, yeah, in his basement basically, and yeah. yes, and um, and then John Boylan, he he finagled the whole thing. You know, he he took him out to L.A. and I, I'm not sure what he did there. I think he did the vocals there, or, but most of it was done by Tom in his basement. Wow! And and uh, Lenny and I did go to see the band in in uh, Aerosmith's rehearsal facility, 
uh, outside of Boston, and they, they they did reproduce the music, N uh, not quite as well as as the band as the album, which is the case with all bands. So that was it. Sixteen million debut. Oh gosh, let me ask you this: When Brad committed suicide, did you see that coming? Was there no. what? What was? Pro what do you think fed that? I have no idea, honestly. Really? I didn't know. I didn't. I knew the guys, but I didn't. I didn't know who they okay. were. Okay. You know. I, uh, yeah. I didn't know if you had a long-standing relationship and saw those demons no. from way back. Um, okay. And you mentioned REO Speedwagon. What's interesting to me is that they were a decent hard rock almost southern rock kind of band until around the high infidelity area era yeah. and what so what you heard sounds they would they didn't become the band that got huge for a while and yet you heard something originally that said i'm going to take a gamble on this band what did you oh, hear yeah, there, yeah i heard well uh, there were two songs uh 157 riverside avenue mm -hmm. and sophisticated lady mm -hmm. that were on that that and th those songs were so good yeah uh that i didn't care about the rest of them and they and there were there were others that were very good too but i said this is a you know these are these are very strong cuts this is yeah. a very good band and and i flew out to see them and uh they were spectacular yeah Lines. uh yeah. killer guitar player gary richrath and, totally. and anyway they and they did an incredible uh version of sympathy for the devil Ooh, and i thought really? that is, that's hard to do yeah so so um you know i signed them and they were also managed by irving azoff who is you know like he could do anything yeah he, he has a golden he, touch he became the most powerful man in hollywood yeah and 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 he managed the eagles you know <laughs> he's anyway i knew they were in very good hands and they're still on the road 50 years yeah <laughs> i just saw them a couple months ago with lover boy and sticks and it was really? incredible all three of those bands still have it it was great uh, i yeah. think there's i think there may be one uh original member left uh, which would be neil dowdy on keyboards yeah he's still there yeah. Evan obviously is still there, but he he came in on like the second or third album or something. Oh like uh, yeah, he was later, and he yeah. he was the one who uh, who pretty much commercialized the band. Yeah, he was with uh, there was one ballad, a huge ballad. What was um, it? Heard it from a friend who heard it from yeah. A, yeah yeah that's take it on the run. You know yeah those kinds of songs be, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, um, yeah keep on loving Tom, you yeah, great stuff because Tom Kelly that guy we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know the songwriter he did he was in all the backing vocals on all their albums yeah now he is he the one is it him or billy that has kind of the high-pitched voice singing oh, voice tom. it's tom that does that yeah because i've heard of billy, him doing I that think, i don't think okay. billy sings yeah i've heard of this that tom is actually a really you listen to some of the recordings and you think it's a woman but it's actually him i had someone else tell me the story now and i can't even remember who it was but it was years ago. Somebody said something similar. Isn't yeah, that Tom, wild? he's very, very talented. He uh, he did all of my. I used him. He he brought two other guys. Um, he did most of the uh, backing vocals on all the albums I did. He wow. he, you know, uh, he's he's on all the 
all the albums. I mean, this yeah. is common. It's a common thing for people yeah. to, to do, um, put, put ringers in their choruses. Okay. You okay, know. last question. Let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. You've been gracious. Thank you, Tom, for doing this. This meant a lot to me. I got to ask, who would you have liked to have produced but didn't get the chance? And when I say that, I, I ask a lot of producers that. I don't necessarily mean, like, who do you like? But I no, mean, when no. you heard somebody and you think, I could really add a lot yeah. to that artist, who would that have yeah. been? Uh, there are three. Okay. Uh, and they're different. It would be The Who, The Eagles, and Tom Petty. Yeah. Ooh. Especially Tom Petty, because yeah. Tom Petty, Tom Petty's, uh, uh, you know, the 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 playing, the musicians, the instrumentation, the choice of instruments, mm -hmm. the songs, it, it, they were perfect for me, really yeah. perfect. And there's a fabulous, by the way, documentary uh, called Running Down a Dream. I've seen it a few times. I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was he was pretty special. Um, yeah, and and of course the who were my they were my principal uh, inspiration you know i mean it, it, it's quite obvious that i stole the uh the keyboard lick from baba o'reilly for surrender and dream police oh i yeah. had piece that together before yeah. oh sure <laughs> it's right out there <laughs> and, and you know yeah i i just i just love you know who's next and yeah. live at Leeds. And, um, the, I, I don't know. And okay. they're they're much wilder than my work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, but I I I love them so much. I probably would would have told Keith uh, to play a, a little less. <laughs> you know, because it sounds uh, some of the some of their songs. It sounds like he's play. He starts in the beginning and plays <laughs> one continuous drum fill that's right for the entire song <laughs> oh it's so true so you know? true did you and ever reach out to any of these people or like you know try to make it happen no um i you know i i played golf a few times with glenn fry mm -hmm. <laughs> and i met townsend and asked i asked towns the who's attorney in new york if pete would consider producing ted nugent when I first signed Ted and um, this was on a plane back from my having seen him, I bumped into her on the plane and, and she laughed, you know, and she thought, well, you know, Pete's a little out of, out of this guy's league, whoever he is. Right. Right. And very, very uh, nice uh, of her to, she sent me a, a letter of congratulations when the album went gold. <laughs> very nice that's great so, thank you tom for everything uh thanks yeah, for thank talking with me thanks for all the good you've put out in the world and thanks for being you it means a lot you've made our lives better oh great that's wonderful to hear really thank you all right there you have it tom worman i've been wanting to make that happen for so many years and i'm so glad that it finally did can you believe all of that stuff so interesting and i had never considered before Think about how many of those producers we've had on here. Uh, Nevison and Bob Rock and Bo Hill and now Tom and a lot of these guys. It never occurred to me that when the music styles shift in the 90s, that those bands, the new ones, the Pearl Jams and the Nirvanas, they don't want anything to do with those bands that were successful before. And so the, the genius of these producers kind of gets left behind. I'd never thought of that before. But it says a lot. 
Anyway, so, so fascinating. Of course, I want to close it out with my favorite Motley Crue song, Wild Side. I love this song. Uh, now, I, the, ne- the rest of this year is going to be a little... I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do. I have a bunch of stuff in the can. Um, some interviews are shorter, and I usually like to either pair them together or put them with other people who are a little more, I don't know, less known, so that you get to you get a little bit of both. Um, and so there might be some a lot of twofers. They might just stand on their own. I haven't really decided yet. I'm pretty sure next week's guest is going to be a member of the one of the most successful pop groups of the 80s. Um, and you would not, you will not see it coming. I, I don't want to tell you too much because you may figure it out, but you will be shocked to know that this particular group is eighth on the list of the most successful blank pop groups of all time. <laughs> anyway, all right, that's what's coming next week. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man. Thank you, buddy, for everything. Uh, folks, you can like our, fage- our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. No bonus material coming out this week, but I noticed that a lot of you love that Talk Talk deep dive, and so please keep it coming. I hope you enjoyed that. It's something I'm really proud of, that we actually got to the bottom of that complex and complicated album. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We love you.